On this episode of the Heartland Pod for Monday, November 13th, 2023, special guest C.W. Gardner joins the show for his big announcement, looking at Kentucky as a model in 2024 for red states, diving into the 2024 presidential election a year out after a week of big polls and bigger election results. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome to the Heartland Pod, where we are working together to change the conversation in politics. My name is Adam Summer. I'm going to be joined in just a second by my co-hosts, Rachel Parker and Sean Diller. Uh, normally, we do this together. Uh, the reason that we are not, we're doing it the old school way, the way we used to do it, is because of our special guest. Uh, so C.W. Gardner is going to join us live to record at our normal recording time. So I'm recording this just a little bit beforehand uh, to set up that uh, interview and uh, the rest of the show. Remember, you can support what we do by leaving a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to the show. Follow us on social media with at the Heartland Pod and go to heartlandpod.com and learn more today. You can still sign up on our Patreon over there. We are working feverishly in the background. Sean has been working his butt off to get the website up and running. Uh, It looks great. We have some previews that are in place for us so that we can see it and I think you guys are I think you guys are really going to like it. I think it's even nicer than I had imagined it in my head. Uh, and it's going to be a great central hub. So if you're curious on what to kind of expect, um, if you've ever used uh, you know if you like sports, maybe you've used the Ringer or the Athletic, uh, maybe you've used Puck, maybe you've gone to a site like that or Semaphore. Uh, kind of all of those things rolled into one. Uh, all of our podcasts are going to be available there along with written content uh, and interactive area, you're going to be able to sign up and be a member uh, so that you can comment and be part of what's going on over there. It's going to be a controlled environment. We want to make sure that it's a place that uh, folks can exist because they want to be there and get to interact with other people who want to be there and not just you know whoever can create enough bot accounts to spam uh, you know shitty comments <laughs> on, your, on your posts. So uh, you know, it, you know, will it replace social media? No, you know, I, I don't expect that it will. Uh, but you know, as Rachel talks about all the time, social media is changing. Online presences are changing. She just had a big show about that last week on Wednesday. That's a great listen uh, where Rachel was talking about that exact thing. And so we've created this space and we're very excited for you to join us. Uh, there is going to be a, a cost to it. Uh, they're just like, there's a cost to be a Patreon member now. Uh, but don't worry. The, these shows, what you're listening to right now, it's not going anywhere. This is still going to be free. It's still going to be appear every Monday just like it normally does. Uh, but the extra stuff, the we do extra shows. We haven't for a few weeks now because we've been working on the website. But uh, we often have extra shows that we call The Last Call. Uh, there's been quite a bit of written material, especially when we're closer to the election time. There was more of it. Uh, but that's even going to go up. There's going to be way more written material over there. Uh, and it's just going to be a space that we can all, uh, you know, be together. It's, it's going to have all kinds of good stuff that goes along with it. So uh, look for that. And uh, for now, you can go to heartlandpod.com. And even then, you'll be able to go to heartlandpod.com because it'll it'll redirect you and take you where you want to go. Uh, we have at least that level of tech savvy in our operation uh, to take care of that. So uh, with that in mind, we are going to get into the episode. C.W. Gardner is joining us. Uh, CW has a new 
book that's coming out is a very special book. If you follow him on social media, perhaps you have already seen uh, his announcement, but if not, uh, strap in and enjoy. Uh, for those of you who've never been a part of a C.W. Gardner interaction before, uh, he ran for Senate back in 2022 as a Republican, and his platform was pot for potholes. He wanted to legalize marijuana to pay for road construction jobs to fill in potholes. Uh, he is a doorman in St. Louis, uh, and he rides a scooter. And he uh, is that's that's who he is. And he's very funny, and he has great videos, and he's blown things up with hatchets. And uh, yeah, so C.W. Gardner is joining us, and then we're going to jump into some 2024 stuff. So stick around. We're going to have a good time, and it's going to be a great show, and we'll see you on the other side of this little break. All right, as promised, after the little break, we're back, and with us, with me, with Rachel, with Sean, is C.W. Gardner, friend of the pod. Uh, he ran for Senate in 2022 and had a respectable showing, some two to 3,000 votes, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and he's back, and he's back in a big way, and he's back with a big announcement. So, uh, C.W., thanks for joining us. And what's going on? What, what are you trying to hawk on us and trying to get people to buy? Well, it's, I guess, something I'm up to now because I get that question a lot lately especially from some friends, because I don't let everyone know what I'm up to all the yeah. time. I kind of leave a little, uh, try to leave a little mystery there just to create a little interest, but they know I'm always up to something. Uh, that mustache I, would suggest that you're up to something. That's yeah. yeah. Well, my mustache looks like I <laughs> would like tie a woman to railroad tracks uh, back in the 1920s, which could or be melt a hot. snowman in a yeah, greenhouse. You know, it's, it's not, it's definitely a villain uh, mustache. I would say one friend's call says I'm in my villain era right now. <laughs> and have been for three years. And I go, this is not an era. This is what I was born into. You could also twist that mustache in some sort of like p- potentially moral, amoral yeah. way. Like I'm going to, I, you know, I'm ready to not do evil, but turn a blind eye to it. Right. Or, or with the train track uh, or tying the yes. woman to the, to the train track. Uh, yes. Can you twist a mustache our, morally? I don't even know. Well. That seems like a... Well, I mean, like, like all you have to do, <laughs> sir, is look to one side while I... And then you can see some really cool mustache. <laughs> look to one side? What's that going to be worth? You know, and then, like... The key is the laugh afterwards, which would be... <laughs> yeah, that's so pretty good. It, yeah, it leaves a little menacing. Uh, what was the question again? Where were we starting with this? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What, what are you up to? <laughs> oh, what am I up to? Exactly. So, uh, you know, they've asked if I'm if I plan on running any t- again anytime soon. Um, I thought of running for alderman just because I'm a doorman, and I thought the hashtag all doorman would work. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think it was good enough just to run for the hashtag alone. And there's worse reasons to run. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. I would have been honest about while I was running too. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't see any races currently, um, on my horizon, but I like to keep busy is what I like to do. Yeah. Um, right now it's a children's book. I'm also working on a musical. Um, the inspiration for both of these, you know, you get to take creative licensing with certain things. Uh, like a book or a musical. Mm-hmm. Not all of it's true. Some of it, though, is inspired by uh, true events. And that's what my, uh, I, I like to consider my children's book, 
the boy who never became a man to be. Um, <laughs> it, it features a little boy named Josh and his uncle Teddy. Josh is looking to enter manhood. Yeah. Wants to become a man and is seeking out those qualities. Wants to know what they are. How do I become a man? And, so and his uncle Teddy, I assume, has these qualities. Yes. Uh, Teddy has those qualities. A mustache. Uh, a nice <laughs> frame. For the last My first week. question was going to be, are the qualities that make a good man like the same as for everybody else? Because that's what I'm starting to like realize. You know, it took well, a lot. <laughs> there's, there seems to be a, a certain stereotype to follow. And um, I like to identify those and just, you know, use those for this quality of the the ideal man in this sure. children's book he's applied got, no critical thinking just yeah basic he's got stereotypes she's got some nice glasses i would say metal rim um plot also, wise though where are we going <laughs> uh, plot wise is josh goes to uncle teddy to ask him for advice on how to become a man and uncle teddy continuously gives his advice to josh However, Josh keeps running away from that advice. You mm. will see throughout the book because, you know, maybe a, a, a fly pops up and little Josh will run away from the fly. And then he'll come back to ask Uncle Teddy, well, you know, I know that didn't go as planned. What else can I do to become a man? And he tries to become a man throughout the book. Unfortunately, and I can give this away, Josh in the end does not uh, listen to Uncle Teddy and runs away from all those lessons and runs away from becoming a man. So is this so, book, would you call it metaphorical, figurative, or literal? Sure, why not? <laughs> Allegory? <laughs> yeah. Here's some words that rhyme with Corey. It all <laughs> <laughs> Just put it all together. Do you think I was going to ask a kind of a kind of a thoughtful question? Um, yeah. And I for those for those folks who are watching uh, that you can see that I'm wearing my C.W. Gardner yeah. for Senate hat. And I'm I very appreciate proud of. that. Um, you know, so this this book is sort of a, a moral lesson in courage, one mm -hmm. could say. Yeah. Um, about running versus, you know, staying where you are to kind of face the music. Mm -hmm. What do you think? So when you when you see a future for for Josh off the pages of this book, because you the know, little good boy writers Josh, will always, the metaphorical, yeah, the little the middle yeah. the metaphorical, the royal we, yeah. the satirical metaphorical. Like if I see myself and Josh, what does that mean for me? Right. If you see, if you <gasps> right. So so good writers will often say that it's like it's a joke. It's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't finished my question yet. I haven't finished my question. All right. So, um, so authors often say that, like, after the book is, is done, they know the character isn't, and they all have an idea for like where their characters go. Uh, yeah. And so, what does Josh ever learn to become? Does he learn from his mistakes? Like, does does he ever listen to the the wizened advice from Uncle Teddy, or do you think he is doomed to? Um, keep uh, crying and uh, running away from consequences and 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 circumstances uh, th throughout his um, non manly uh, life. Uh, he seems pretty doomed. Okay. Yeah. 
That's um, if I were to guess where things are going. Um, yeah, he's screwed. Okay. He's okay. not going to attain the the masculine virtues that he is seeking. It doesn't seem like. Can I can I ask I, a follow? Yeah. Can I ask a follow question? Sorry not mm -hmm. to cut you off, but you kind of are an expert in manhood. You're still the only person I know who shaves with a hatchet. Yeah. Um, that so, also blows things up with a hatchet. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Well, right. That, that's kind of right. a trademark of so, mine. So if you were to, if you were to advise uh, a young man on what it means to, uh, to be a man, what would mm -hmm. be your kind of like your three hallmarks? Well, number one. Shave with a hatchet obviously is a given. Can we put that one as number one? Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, number one, you don't even have to shave with that. Own a hatchet. Just, just own one. Own a hatchet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just start there. Okay. You don't want to go straight into shaving it or you know blowing up trees with it, uh, like I did. Just own a hatchet. Uh, number two, don't be a phony. And uh, one of those things I would like to point out is maybe like, for instance, if you get elected to be U.S. senator from the great state of Missouri, hypothetically, and you don't spend a lot of time here but when you do come back here you wear the same jeans the same colored shirt and the same boots on all your visits especially when you're taking photo ops at least change the color of your shirt i mean my god you don't have to wear the same green shirt every time you come back which is yeah. Well, I don't claim to live in Missouri anymore, but every time I come back to town, I am wearing the same clothes. So yeah, but you only the have exact like same four shirt? outfits. Oh, pretty much. You also, but you also, this is my brother's shirt. He brought it from Missouri to here. But also, Sean, like, Sean doesn't have a lot of shirts. But also, you're not. I would dare dare I right. say, Sean, you're not pretending to be anything. No, he's not. Like you really don't no, ever pretend it. to be to be anybody. You're the guy who the last time we recorded the show said. I can't be trusted to make coffee by myself. Like you, like you're <laughs> That's true. nothing if not radically yeah. honest but, about but, your own shortcomings. But the, I'm sure, Sean, but the, the clothes you're wearing are the ones you would normally wear. And the right. instant true. Like, there scenario right. yes. I am uh, providing, these are clothes the person would not normally wear. Right. Um, More like a Halloween costume situation. Yeah. Right. It's a right. little dress up, a little Like cosplay. the jeans are attached to the shirt on a hanger. So I, like, I like to call it conservative. It's like, like, it's like it. the cuffs and the shirt haven't even been taken out from the last time it was used. I like to call it conservative cosplay. That's my that's my term for that. Oh, that's yeah, good. it's like how I have a Darth Vader costume in my in my closet, just because you never know. You never know. Right. You never know. So okay, so we got don't be a phony. Uh, own a hatchet. Own a hatchet. So how else? How else can can a young a young George become? I I think uh, when you become of a certain age that you should at least try a mustache for a year. A calendar year or fiscal yes. year? You're talking a calendar a, year. A calendar year for twelve months. <laughs> you have to at least try it. That seems like a long time. I would also like if you can, if you have the ability to, um, to grow curls on the side of the mustache. Give it a shot just to learn about how wax works, because that is something I've had to learn myself. I'm still growing as a man. 
Um, some would call me a boy still. I have many exes that would say such things. My mother too. Um, so I think you should try things and grow. You still grow. Even though I'm a doorman, that's my job. Yeah, that's just the title though. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a door boy. I'm a doorman. But I once was a door boy and now I'm a doorman. Mm. Um, but I think that you should at least try a mustache at least once and also try mustache wax once while growing that mustache. Do you think that the mustache, if I were to go with the mustache option, because uh, mm-hmm. I've had a beard for a long time, but I feel like the mustache, I like my marriage. So I feel like the mustache option is probably not in the cards. But do you think that a mustache would allow me to say, stand and, and you know, be somebody who can be accountable versus somebody who passes senior citizens on an escalator as I flee from the scene of a crime that I helped start. All right, fine. Step four to being a man. Don't run away from everything. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we well, went CW, three to four. <laughs> if I wanted to, uh, I have a, I have a son, he's eight. It's time for him to learn these hard lessons in life. He's, I think he's got some time on the mustache, but if I wanted to teach him these things and read him this book, how am I going to do that? How am I going to get the book? And so here's the deal. I don't know what I'm doing with a lot of things I uh, enter into. Um, Fair. Which is how I have some fun, though. Um, that's how the camp- U.S. Senate campaign kind of went, was, hey, let's have some fun here at first. Really, let's take this to the next step. The only way to have even more fun is to be extremely serious with it. So I've tried that with the book. Um the Boy Who Never Became a Man, uh, starring a young character named Josh and, of course, his Uncle Teddy. Um, you can find it on Amazon.com beginning November 20th. November, so November 20th? 20th. 20th. 2-0, okay. Um, November 20th, the book comes out. Um, I have a dedication page in there, and I'll give it that part away, too. It's for you, Missouri and Missouri. Um, from me this is my gift to missouri and missouri and all the people in there so i i hope they enjoy it i hope you, i can't wait to read it to my nephew Merritt. um i've already had several friends reach out asking if i planned on doing any promotional videos and i said that's probably likely and two of them have basically bluntly said let me know you can use my kit for as a prop if you want to yeah. Can I can I make a suggestion? Just don't yeah. explode any kids. And uh, since we're talking about mustaches, which I'll never be able to grow, mm-hmm. um, don't uh, give up hope. Maybe, yeah. Menopause isn't ever yet. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is that you know that you have a reading, a public reading somewhere? Oh. Um, yeah. And well, this, that this... book maybe should be read by a drag queen. Um. I will say this. Uh-huh. I like where your mind is because yeah. those discussions have been had between me and my inner circle. And I, and here's here's something else if if you and know I, any But also, I mean, it has also been brought up that who that person may be. Got it. Uh we have a number of I actually know a number of people that this would work with, but also right. I have not said that I won't be that person either. I sure. I would I've always and this is a request uh to you to our listeners I've always wanted somebody in the St. Louis area to have a drag character named mm-hmm. Ian Wagner or Ian Wagner 
see what because i a friend of yeah. mine he would go by goldie showers and the urinal cakes when he would do drag performances great great um so i've talked to him some i just want and i just it, want somebody with the wig the poofy wig some kind of a blazer situation i might be able to pull and off those huge, bangs and, I yeah don't you know. probably yeah, could. That's true. And, and like I a who the wang bangs and like like a who was john galt t-shirt t-shirt situation like with some jeans or something like that's all i want yeah. that's all i want i mean so the discussion has been had about okay hey do we go drive with this or is, do we combine that into this i mean it's to me a natural thought to have okay yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the climate we're in and it's really i talked to a friend the other day i go can you make me look good as a woman as a like, drag queen oh, as a drag queen, yes, drag is different. Yeah. He's up, and he's like, um, are you keeping the mustache? I go, yes. Of course. Like, well, no. I go, can you make it, can you make it happen? Can we at least make it a little bit serviceable? He's like, I think I can. Um, I have a fur coat that would go good with your eyes. There you um, go. So there's, there's a lot of possibilities out there. I, li I like where it's headed. Well, CW, the book is available. Uh, what's the title again? The Boy Who Never Became a Man. The Boy Who Never Became a Man, the tale of Josh and his Uncle Teddy. Yeah, my characters do not have last names, just their first names. Sure. Josh, uh, if I were to give them last names, um, I'd think of something manly for Josh, because that's what he's... So what's mm -hmm. manly? That's a, a Harley. So maybe sure. like Josh Harley. Yeah, it is like manly. That. Yeah, and then like you know, I, I think part of being a man, we don't get to it in the book because Josh runs away from everything so quickly. Uh, like Uncle Teddy, I also like I think of poets even with with manliness as well. You know, writing, thinking, um, maybe something like uh, Uncle Teddy pro prose prose Teddy prose event or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, That's I if I that. were to do that. Well, it'll be available on November 20th on Amazon. And uh, I promise we will share the link on social uh, as well. CW man, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for, you know, thanks for still being out there creating. And we look forward for uh, what's next. Adam, Rachel, Sean, thank you. Thank you, Missouri, Missouri. Talking politics. All right. We are shifting into the rest of the show for talking politics. That was a good time with CW Gardner, as it always is here on the Heartland Pod. Uh, check out his book, November 20th on Amazon. Uh, the Boy Who Never Became a Man, the story of Josh and his Uncle Teddy. Um, all uh, I have seen the book. In fact, we have shared you guys the link uh, to the preview. And it says very specifically that all uh you know potential connections to real life or you know it's just a coincidence so nobody look don't think too hard about it um it's just a work of fiction to help us all think about becoming a man in this day and age when it seems to be it seems to have lost some steam have you guys noticed that that the manly thing has lost a little bit of steam it feels like i don't know maybe that's just me i think they have real shit now they can talk about i think like they have they had the house speaker debacle yeah. Israel is real. Yeah. They have Ukraine. They try to like, they're just, they have so much egg on their face. Yeah. And shit on their shoes that they have, you know, um, but he's got the, doesn't he have some other book coming out or am, am I just confusing all of the Holly books now with manhood? I don't know how you leapt all the way to Holly, but um, yeah, 
think uh, yeah i don't know knows? i think i think it just came out or maybe he's got an, maybe it's a re-release i don't know <laughs> maybe there's just somebody of some other douche nozzle that put out another book about being uh, a man mask. yeah i don't know i don't know well uh let's uh go around the horn here we didn't do it before cw's interview uh rachel's here sean is here sean man how you doing and what you sipping on doing well thanks uh, i've got only a half a thing of black coffee i'm probably gonna need a refill um but you know down the first part during cw's thing yeah but yeah no feeling really good just ate like three bowls huge bowls of spaghetti um mm. and uh you know ready to rock <laughs> i don't think it's possible to eat an appropriate amount of spaghetti i always eat too much spaghetti yeah, I feel I feel like I ate too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is that is a very specific feeling. The too much yeah, spaghetti feeling. The spaghetti, right, yeah. And it's like I had too much spaghetti and then it's like I have two kids and it's right. like when they leave food on their plate, I right. eat the food. Like yeah. it doesn't go in the garbage disposal and doesn't go in the trash. <laughs> like I eat the food. <laughs> so I had too much spaghetti. That's awesome. Rachel Parker, how about you? How you doing and uh, what you sipping on? I'm uh I'm doing well. I'm uh I get to start my colonoscopy prep tomorrow. Woo. Um thanks Obama. Um <laughs> no literally I wouldn't be able to get a colonoscopy if it weren't for Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean normally I love cancer. Uh so screening for it is like whatever, but like I guess I'll do it to live yeah. a full and happy life. Um I still got my CW hat on cuz I'm not taking it off at this point because sure. no one needs to see that hat head escapade once a foam filled trucker hat goes on yeah it doesn't come off you're committed come off you are really committed and also like i have like my hair is really short on the sides now because it's uh i i told elliot that i have a reverse mullet because like now i have a very pronounced asymmetrical bob so it's like it really is like business in the back and party in the front and i just have this like very aggressive but narrow strip of long hair in the front with so the, with the hat and the and the uh earphones on and the, yeah. the way the hair comes out right now you yeah. look like willie nelson yeah that makes sense yeah because like i have two braids or whatever <laughs> yeah um so i put the hat on and i was like what am i gonna do headphones the headphones well because yeah. all that happens is like this hair sticks out and like so do my ears and i was like oh that looks anyway that's more than anybody <laughs> needs to know and I'm sipping on uh, I'm sipping on some Ruboy's, uh tea, and it's very good. And I forgot nice. to take allergy meds, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, because um, fall allergies, man, they're just yeah. uh, they're just still here. But it was a good. I week. Uh, I bought a sinus thing this week to help with my uh, recurring sinusitis for for all of that stuff. I bought one of these things that shoots it up and vibrates and does all the stuff, and uh, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's like a power nozzle, uh, uh, you know, saline spray situation. So, uh, I, I'm, I think I like it. I think I like it. And I'm also in the similar to Sean dealing with the food situation. I made a pork loin and mashed potatoes, and it was and gravy. You know, just like old school. And you know, you can get a pork loin, huge. Just 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 four so pounds cheap. of pork They're loin. So it was cheap. seven dollars. They're so Whoa. cheap for this beautiful nice. piece of pork. We it cooks it? in a half. I just cooked it in the oven. Like I just nice. like scored it and cooked it in the oven, and it was delicious and amazing. And I made these potatoes that had a little bit of. Was it the uh, fur? Was it the full loin, or was it just the little? It was a the little... No, it was a regular loin, not a tender was, loin. It was not a tender yeah. loin. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a real I mean, loin. you can't you can't really go wrong. It was freaking delicious, and yeah. uh, 
made some mashed potatoes that taste my son was like all mopey about the mashed potatoes because he he oh i don't like mashed, but he does he likes them and he took a bite and he was like these are yeah these are really good and i was like yeah they're basically a sour cream and onion chip because i had chives and some i had some whipped cream cheese in the in the pantry so a little butter a little whipped cream cheese a little chive action a little kosher salt they're fantastic yeah they're if just... that ever happens like you don't have to have any it's fine i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah force you to eat mashed potatoes and yeah. then I made, uh, and then I made gravy, and it was, uh, it was wonderful. And so I'm sipping on water to counteract the salt uh, that's happening in my body right now, <laughs> because it is very, very salty. Uh, let's see here. Let's get into the topics. We only really have two separate topics since we had the CW interview, and there's just, you know, uh, we can get lost in the maze uh, if folks want a ton of stories in one show. Fridays are always going to have a ton of headline stories. Mondays are more deep dive. So sometimes there'll be a bunch of topics. Sometimes there might only be one there. You know, we might deep dive into one thing. It's just going to be kind of whatever. We had, a, be- we had a bellwether election that we have to we talk did. about. We had a major, a major, major, major election. It's a fragile. It was a major award. So let's jump into the true or false. True or false. All right. The true or false. Andy Brashear's win in Kentucky is an example, not an anomaly. The reason that I bring this up, Andy Brashear, you know, he, this was a reelect. He won election back in 2019 for his first term in that election. He won by less than a half a percentage point. It was a 0.4% win. Absolute skin of your teeth kind of stuff. This go round, however, he increased that to basically 5%. And so, what we are seeing is not just that a Democrat won in a state that we would consider a red state. Kentucky certainly would qualify if we're doing that, uh, you know, that that bicameral listing. I think the state. state that elected both Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell dessert like. Right. I just what, right? I don't like, like red state, blue state because it is defeatist. But anyway. We can. It's easy to categorize for presidential politics purposes. Well, and Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell. I mean, come on, like, (laughs) dude, that's pretty maximalist (laughs) red right there. Yeah, no, that's that that that's fair. Um, So he went from a half percentage point to five points, which means he went from whoops to outside of the margin of error. Right, if we're talking about traditional statistical type stuff, so that's a really big deal when you get that kind of a win. Um, there's been plenty wrote written about, uh, what happened there since then. I'm going to start by highlighting this daily yonder article that Rachel dropped into the slack, because, uh, if you listen to the Friday show, we were talking about this race, just, just kind of brushing across it. And we were talking about it being a potential example for Missouri for the exact reason that this article was written. So this article was written a couple of days ago, and it goes through the breakdown of rural voters shift toward Democrat and Kentucky governor's race by Tim Merrima from the Daily Honor. That was the headline. And the short version of it is that Brashear picked up basically two and a half points across the board in all sectors, including in rural areas where he went from a 40.9% share of the vote to a 43.3% share of the vote. That's a pretty darn big jump. You're talking about more than two percentage points. Um, He did well in other areas also. What we talked about on Friday was 
that that's how you win in a state like Kentucky, in a state like Missouri, in a state like Arkansas, in a state where you have metro areas that can be big Democratic voter blocks. How do you win those states is not by winning the rural areas, but by increasing your margins in the rural areas. Sean, you have run campaigns or been part of campaigns and helped run campaigns in Missouri including in rural areas. You've run in the fourth district. Uh, you've been in the second district. Um, and the second, a lot of people would not consider that rural, but parts of the second are, are very rural. Um, and so you've, you've got that experience to know the difference between a city council race or a mayoral, mayoral race in the city versus what does it look like when you're looking at a map going, okay, we got a population center here, but then there's 30,000 people spread out over here. Where are we concentrating? How are we doing that? So can you speak some to this? Yeah, for sure. So it's a really great question too. the idea, like true or false, that Andy Bashir is an anomaly. And I guess the the nation, they said he's not right. It's not right. an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. So especially from the perspective of like having been around campaigns, having seen which candidates get nominated, who were running and what those campaigns look like in red states. Andy Bashir is absolutely an anomaly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Support how often in a red state do you have an incumbent governor running for reelection? First of all, that's already so like from a hard look, is this anomalous? You know, this doesn't happen very often. John Bell Edwards was an incumbent Democrat in a red state running for re-election super recently, and he lost. And the the campaign in Kentucky, um, Andy Bashir also way outraised Daniel Cameron, the Republican gubernatorial nominee in the red state. So like that's anomalous. <laughs> He's exceptionally talented. He ran an exceptionally effective campaign. And Democrats have the wind at their back, but Andy Bashir is exceptional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's in a completely right. good way, right, for him and everyone in his in Bashir world. He could be president. So Rachel, think, he touched on that Nation article, and you, yeah. you brought that up in the first place. Yeah, go go ahead, jump. I in think there. so. I think here's what I'll say. So I'll I'll point also to Laura Kelly, who is another recent. Um, I would say that there's a lot of similarities between her and Bashir, um, although he ran on a much more, I would say, like we talked about this on Friday, like a, kind of a pragmatic progressive ticket more so right. than I think she did. Um, and right. her I campaign, think, in fact, her, her big ad was literally her walking down the yellow center stripe. Yeah. Of the road. yeah she's, <laughs> right. Right. Which Far works. from I a mean, pragmatic so, progressive. So it, so it, so it kind of, um, it, it kind of worked for her. I think that what isn't, anomalous is that yeah it's it's hard to look at somebody who's clearly as talented as as he is uh, and think like oh we can totally replicate this like, right it's this hard. means we can win in north dakota like right well who's there no, who are we right yeah yeah exactly that's always the question but i think what you can take away from it is that you shouldn't avoid these bread and butter issues that people always feel like they have to avoid right people always feel like they have to run this is what I thought the Nation article did a good job of pointing out is that it wasn't this like Republican light strategy. It was uh, health care costs are too high. 
We have to do something about the environment. How about that Inflation Reduction Act? Um, you know what they're trying to take away? Your right to choose. And they leaned in really hard to abortion, uh, which, of course, like titillated the national media because they had to sort of go, is that, you know, is this really what net, what Democrats need to do? And I think what I always push when I push what my push back on that is always like what the Democrat Party always Democratic Party always needs to do is find people that really like uh, winning. They need competitive right. people with a lot of fire and who know how to kick ass and who want to do that, who actually have that sort of innate kind of, uh, I'll say like organizational intelligence and things like that. Cause you really do like, we say this a lot in the show, the people that have this idea that like campaigns are constructed by the, um, like the campaign, like the campaign infrastructure elite or whatever, <laughs> you know, that like campaign organizers, are these kind of like people that like do evil laughs and go right. Whoa, like no it's you it's the it's the candidate the candidate is the campaign that's it like you can't make them any better than they are and you kind of also can't make them any worse like if anything hard, people work hard to make people look better than they actually are but um but I do think that what what I do think isn't an anomaly is that if you're authentic and you're fearless and you show up everywhere just ask john fetterman all the time and you keep um you you kind of stay true to those not even democratic values but like really just simple progressive values of like these are the things that i've done and if you remain consistent all hope is never lost i think that's i mean if you told me to, yesterday or yesterday would be a bad day if you told me last sunday that Bashir would increase his margin in a state that elected Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell again, right? I would be like, mm -hmm. no way. That's right. not going to happen. Like, maybe a little bit, but like not by four and a half percentage points. Like, that's right. crazy to me. But so, encouraging. Sean, is it is it just that simple of, and I, and I do like, you know, part of what you said there, Rachel, was about the consistency thing. And I, I have found that in my own world, um, you know, once I became a little bit more comfortable with just being, you know, the, an, uh, an open version of myself instead of trying to sort of guard that and sort of make sure I was fitting whatever mold I felt like I needed to fit. I love that, that you just describe what it's like to be a woman, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> a little bit. Sorry. And... No, that, like, it's just funny. Like you just described my life. Where I was like, <laughs> oh, so, so Adam learned what I learned at 50. Right. When he was... Okay, great. Good. So like, good. but Wonderful. like sort of just embracing it and realizing that like, for the most part, people are, people have wider birth for you than you think they're going to have. Um, and especially if there's, you know, a tangible reason, right? I'm not this way because I'm trying to piss you off. I'm this way because here's my why, right? Here's my very simple why. Mine is very well documented. Longtime listeners know about my daughter. It's a very simple why. This is why I am the way that I am, um, you know, from a, from a political standpoint, let's say. So, Sean, is it as simple as uh, a good candidate who has been consistent and is off? It's authenticity, right? That's what we're getting at is authenticity. Is it, is it that simple that that's the secret sauce? And so, you know, is this an anomaly or is it just that Andy Bashir is the anomaly for Kentucky and somebody who has the same type of ability to harness what he was able to harness that that's what it comes down to that it's not about where you're at or 
the normal condition of the state. It's about good candidates are good candidates, bad candidates are bad candidates. And in this case, and, and look, I want to acknowledge something. Andy Bashir is a white guy who beat a black guy in Kentucky, right? You, you have to say that part of it. And if you ignore that part of it, you're discounting centuries of racism in a state that where slavery was, you know, normal, right? This was, this was a, a, a Southern state. So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, authenticity is huge. And I think Andy Bashir has that. And I think the people of Kentucky know that and they know him. I think that's a big part of how he expanded his margin of victory is he led the state through the COVID crisis in a way that evidently they approved of. And I just think about, <laughs> I've been to Kentucky a few times. I think about running a campaign in Kentucky, like driving around Kentucky, yeah. finding those voters a in cold driving. country, all over the place. You know, I think he's authentic. I think he's a fit for the state, but they voted for Trump by 26 points. And I think you're right. The Republicans nominated. I think they probably were hopeful that they would split the Democratic coalition. What might have happened is that their own white supremacist wing sat it out. You know, um, that could be part of it. Um, this is also a so, guy who, you know, the, his Republican opponent was also the prosecutor who was in charge of the Breonna Taylor uh, case right. and did wow, a very geez. bad job with that. I did um, not know that. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the and kind he, of case where you can imagine too, like, even Republicans being unhappy. Right. And also, like, I've I mean, I don't know, know him, but I did watch a couple of like press things he did or some speeches. I mean, the guy has the personality of like wet toast. Like it's just, there's not, I, I, you know, he tried yeah. and he tried to make himself a thing. Um, yeah. And in a party that will not tolerate moderates in a state that's elected, probably one of the most conservative members of the Senate. Um, they've and given Rand him... Paul's crazy ass. That's what I meant. That's what I mean. <laughs> Mitch McConnell is a no, no, no. I think Paul. I think Rand Paul officially is more conservative than Mitch McConnell at this point, and that party has given itself absolutely no wiggle room um, for anybody who might be a reasonable human being. And he he did the he tried to do the Trump thing, like it just was all over the place. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but he was not. Yeah, and he had a contested primary that he had to win, and he blew yeah. all his money. Cameron did. So that that that's why I want to pivot this to Missouri as a way. Well, really to talk fast. About... Let me talk about yeah, authenticity. No, last thing. So authenticity is folks having the impression that you are about the same in private as you are right. with them slash in public. So the whole thing of authenticity is about perception, right? Right. So I think Vivek Ramaswamy is just as much of a insufferable douchebag <laughs> uh uh unappealing person in private as in public i bet he's pretty authentic but it won't get him there right, right? so i think authenticity is not enough um you have to really be a fit and you have to have your own identity outside of the parties that's the other yeah. thing they knew andy Bashir not just as a democrat but right. they knew who he was so that was so that that's where I pivot over to Missouri because we have uh, some similar groundwork, right? Uh, in fact, Trump did not as well in Missouri as he did in Kentucky, um, and 
we have a three-way Republican primary going on where we have a guy, a literal flamethrower uh, on in that primary. We have a silver spoon, uh, you know, Nepo candidate who uh, even the Republicans are saying <laughs> it's a silver spoon Nepo candidate. Uh, and then we have Mike Kehoe, who uh, if you talk to, you know, a, a reasonable person who has dealt with Mike Kehoe, they'll tell you he's just as extreme as the other Republicans. But if you talk to the Republicans, they'll tell you he's a secret Democrat parading around trying to become a Republican governor. Um, so we have all three flavors. We have the the beautiful uh, Neapolitan uh, you know, ice cream of the Republican Party right here going on in that primary. And it don't look like it's going anywhere. And the reason is a new poll came out. This is from Show Me Victories. Uh, this is a St. Louis based uh, company. And let me let me give you some lines out of this poll. Uh, potential November matchups for governor Crystal Quaid versus Mike Kehoe, 33 to 38 undecided or someone else. Twenty nine percent. Kehoe versus Ash or Quaid versus Ashcroft, 34 to 39, 27 undecided. Quaid versus Eigel, 34 to 33, undecided or someone else, 32%. Uh, there is technically a primary on the Democratic side. Uh, Mike Hammerhead is running. I'm sorry, that's Mike Hammerat. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Uh, this guy is running for uh, governor who may or may not live in Missouri. There's a big open question. By the way, there is a residency requirement to be governor of the state of Missouri, and it's 10 years. Uh, so very interesting question out there uh, that I've seen floated, whether or not this guy, uh, uh, Mike Hom- Hombra, Hom- Ombre, Ombre, remember those shorts, Ombre, the Ombre shorts, uh, whether or not he can even run. Uh, he has worse numbers than Crystal Quaid has against the other Republicans. Um, but the actual primary itself for the Republicans is basically a three-way split at this point. So you're looking at, you know, if you're the Eagle team, if you're the guy with less money and less actual grassroots support, which we know because he had to trick people by using a Donald Trump email scheme to get them to give him money from other states, uh, even though he was trying to run for governor in Missouri. Remember that uh, little thing? Uh, so even with that, he's still got a puncher's chance of winning that primary. So he's not going anywhere. The other two aren't going anywhere. They got plenty of money. And in the meantime, uh, Quaid's numbers would suggest that she's got plenty of possibility here. And at the same time, Holly's going to be on the ticket. And this poll's got stuff about the that race, the Senate race, that would suggest that the Democrats have a serious chance in the state of Missouri at flipping a Senate seat and flipping the governor's mansion. Um, so, Sean, I'll, I'm going to throw back to you to start on the authenticity thing and then let Rachel finish this out. Is it maybe that instead of just generalized authenticity, is it that you have to authentically be authentic to the job, right? That you are your authenticity matches the moment, matches the place, matches the job that's in front of you. Because I, I can be authentically who I am, but it doesn't make me, you know, the starting point card for the LA Lakers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, I've been reading about this, my camera character today. And I mean, his background is bizarre (laughs) because he, I, I watched the movie. He says nothing about policy. He's, he lists three things. He's like, you know what the problem is these days? 
partisan food fights and then partisan warfare and then like not getting things done or something <laughs> you know it's like and he just kind of keeps on like that for 90 seconds but he he says something about like that he built this thing it was a lot of hard work they have this fast food franchising business where they have over 200 fast food restaurants and most of the ad tries to establish that it's not a hellish place to work you know right. he trots out a few people right. uh saying like yeah he's mike gives us health care it's like what mike does what? <laughs> because his dad started this thing right he took over as ceo when he was 42 in 2011 and he says in his ad that bill clinton president bill clinton appointed him to do something in education. So that would put him being appointed by the president of the United States in the nineties when he was right. like 30 or in his twenties. And then on here in some other award that he got at some point, some business award says he assisted in drafting the 1996 telecommunications act. Right. Which is easily my least favorite piece of legislation. Well, but he was 24. Like, right. I don't even get it. Right. Well, the bottom line is, if you look deeper into this guy, his dad was a big bundler. His dad was a fundraiser in Democratic politics. So wow. well, and he has a, that seems to be sort of the, the bridge here. Because he can't be that smart either, because he seems to have everything laid out in front of him. And yet, I don't want to say not smart, but it's like <clears throat> he went to kind of these like somewhat. I mean, he went to Mizzou Law School, but then like MBA from Kennesaw State. You know, and it's like, is his dad personally just putting all of this in front of him? Because he's not even making right. his own friends, it seems like. How's he in the White House before he's 30 when you go to Kennesaw State? Like, I just don't get it. Right. Well, is he a can... Rhodes Scholar? It's easy, it's <laughs> right. easy to have. It's easy to get all kinds of jobs when your dad wrote a, a check for somebody's campaign and you, you're and you're interning. I guess. But aren't there like thousands and thousands of other people in the same situation? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Unless that's, I, maybe know, that, perhaps, perhaps, doors, perhaps that was perhaps that's a bit of an exaggeration. I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out more. Um, he sorry, just seems I don't even... so mediocre because also the company yeah, is like fast food. OK. Yeah. Again, money on that stores. should be illegal. <laughs> you don't even need a lot of money either. A little bit of money goes a long way. It's amazing. I mean, it, it, I, I don't think people fully grasp what it means the difference that this much money makes. Um, and if you have this much money instead of, you know, I'm uh, so for the podcasters, I'm pinching my fingers together and making it bigger. If you have this much money, <laughs> which is bigger. If you have six inches. Yeah. Of money, six inches yeah. of money versus two Mitt inches Romney. of money. Right. It's, it's crazy. And we're not even getting into like, I'm not even talking about this Uber billionaires who have six feet of money. I'm just talking about rich, regular rich. Um, it's crazy uh, how much it changes things. Rachel, uh, last word on this one before we move on. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to pivot it back to Crystal because I I haven't learned uh, uh, anything about this this guy because I don't want to. Um, I, listen, I, I sort of learned my Rorschach. lesson the last time with like the Senate primary that there's all these Johnny-come-latelys and they throw their hat in the ring and they try to make themselves a thing. And I read about it, each and every one of them and then at the end of the day, none of that mattered. So there's too much going on. I'm not wasting my time. Uh, I think Crystal Quaid is a remarkably qualified 
candidate. I think that she's going to be one of the better statewide candidates we've had since Claire McCaskill, as far as someone who's credible and can raise money. And I'll say the best one since Claire McCaskill. I don't even think that's that hard to say. Yeah, I think that's fair. And like someone who's really, well, it's kind of been a pretty pathetic backslide um, uh, since then. So I, you know, I think that what that says to me is that there is a, there are a third of Missouri voters that are undecided right now. Yeah. Third of Missouri voters. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's almost like Missouri inherently has a swing state mentality to it that it never truly lost. It just got broken by the black guy and the Trump guy. Like there was just this just the racism yeah, factor. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fair and also like we like we've talked about before. I think that like nine eleven, yeah, uh, Fox News, like these things kind of calcified um, entrenched party lines a lot more than they used to be. Right, and and certainly like it, you know people talk about we're more polarized now than we ever have been. No, we're not. We're we're as polarized now as we have been for a very long time. It's just that the that, that all the smart people died and now we're just left with these idiots that like are you know say the quiet part out loud all the time. Yeah, we were so polarized at one point that the vice president shot a guy. Shot the a vice guy. president. Shot a guy. In the face. <laughs> In the face. Shot him, like, killed and, him. And then was like I wasn't drunk. You're like you, right. yes you were. You sneering bastard. You were definitely drunk. But so I think like if different if vice I presidents were... but I like it. What's that? <laughs> Different vice presidents, but I like the. Connection. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was talking about that one. <laughs> I was um, talking about Burr. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, that actual. Yeah, I love that we had to be like, which vice president shot people? <laughs> um. So yeah, so I think that here, if I had to guess about like why are so many Missouri voters like shrugging their shoulders, like I don't know, I think it's because a lot of them aren't really sure what they're going to do about abortion, and it's been such a like it's been such a defining issue for such a long time and i don't think that anybody ever thought this day was going to happen and the ugliness of what's happening in maternity wards around the state those stories are going to come and hit a lot of people i've been saying this for a long time yeah it's not what the national media quite understands i think they get this wrong all the damn time it's not just about sexual assault survivors it's not just about teenagers who are pregnant it's about women going to the hospital being like what do you mean i can't get a dnc even though i'm about to miscarry it's about ifv right it's it's there there's so much more to there's it there's so much and so like there those stories are hitting everybody right so i think i i know that crystal is not going to just run on that one issue i've i've had the pleasure of seeing her last week and i spoke to her again and we talked a little bit more about you know, kind of the more nuanced aspects of her campaign and what she plans on talking about. Yeah. And she's planning on talking about breaking the supermajority. Yeah, that is a, a big lot. topic of hers. I also so, realized I just said IFP, it's IVF. I just, IVF, that, yeah. That was I knew what you meant. Sticking okay. in my craw. I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, they have, I, I think that she is someone they don't want to run against. Yeah. I think they don't want to do it. I think they're, uh, they know, and they know they don't want to run against her. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fair to say. All right, well, let's move on to the big one. And now the big one. All right, twenty twenty four election, the general election. We're a year out, 
And uh, what a difference a week makes, huh? Um, now imagine a whole year goes by. Uh, I think this was a good exercise. So little little behind the scenes inside baseball for, for you folks. Last week when the New York Times stuff came out and the, the poll came out that said that Biden – uh, you know, is basically as 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 popular as uh, a colonoscopy. Shout out, Rachel. Uh, that um, I'd say less. That's less, what the Times yeah, basically tried to popular, say. This is right. less popular to colonoscopy. <laughs> right. Um, and then David Axrod comes out and and makes his comments. Um, and we're going to talk about all of that. But all of that happens, and it was like you know, if you were talking to another Democrat, or if you got on social media, if you're turned on any cable news whatsoever um it was you know sky is falling uh eagle is down you know the white house has fallen it was just like insane hyperbole across the board for like 48 hours and then tuesday happened and then the virginia house and senate flipped to democrat and andy Bashir was elected and ohio uh resoundingly said f off uh, on the abortion issue and voted in favor of uh, putting uh, abortion rights into their constitution. And, uh, it, you know, it, the joke, right, is like, if you're the national media, what do you do? Because for two days, you've been telling us that Biden has these horrible poll numbers, but also you've been dying to tell us that Virginia is a bellwether and it tells us everything we need to know about 2024. Well, in Virginia, the Democrats had a great day right on the heels of being told that Biden can't win in 2024 because he's too old or whatever. So there's there's all these contradictions floating out there. And when this all started coming out, right, we have very different reactions to it. Rachel uh, reacts one, her way. Sean reacts his way. And I said, let's wait a week to talk about any of it because there's going to be a ton of stuff that happens in the week and there's going to be a whole, all this news is going to occur. We're going to get all these think pieces and all these people are going to come out and give their thoughts. Let's just wait a week and just see what comes out of this week. And by God, did a lot of stuff come out of this week. So I want to start on this one with Rachel. I want her to uh, make the first uh, entree, so to speak, uh, and then we'll get it over to Sean. The, the reason being that what I want to focus on to start with this is, okay, so we've got this New York Times poll that says that uh, Biden, uh, you know, can't win re-election. And then we have Axelrod who comes out and says, I think maybe we should consider replacing Biden, even though it's hard to do. And here's the reasons why. And then right on the heels of that, CNN puts, the, they do the same thing that the New York Times did, which is they did a poll and then they did a bunch of think pieces about their poll that they created to create their content which by the way we would do if we had the money so rachel um you start and and tell us why just, first of all say if, if we did this if we did ran if we did run polls they'd be way better than the new york times and the cnn polls maybe um, we'd, we'd be way well we'd be more creative so this is where i'll start so this whole conversation is so funny before the poll came out before the new york times ran a poll and then wrote their own coverage about their own poll um the new republic wrote a piece that said virginia virginia is a bellwether for trump for biden in 2024 and i was like right. okay you told us that that virginia was a bellwether it in in 2019 right. when glenn youngkin won so and, and it was is it a bellwether again 
because you said that this meant that the but Biden was going to lose the midterms and then he yeah, uh, 2021. Yeah. Right. Young right. Kids. Right. So, well, he was right after right. 21. Excuse me. Yeah. So. So. um, So I don't know. I guess the, the, the moral of the story is just do a shot every time somebody says uh, Biden and Bellwether uh, in the same sentence uh, and you'll be probably mildly drunk. The other one uh, was like, OK, so this is this is kind of where I come down. First of all, let me can I put a request out to everybody in the media just for a second? First of all, stop interviewing Andrew Yang. I don't know. No, you actually generally... can't do that. You can't talk to them all at once. I can't? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, they talk to us all at once all the fucking time. I'll talk to them all at once. Sean, how about that? Like all of them, because they all just say voters. Like we're just this big horde of idiots uh, with no nuance or differentiation uh, amongst us. So stop interviewing Andrew Yang. I don't know why. Why do I have to see like the day that the poll came out? And there was coverage about the poll. I saw a story that said senior Democrats now concerned about Biden. And they quoted Axelrod's tweet. I'll get to that in a second. Andrew Yang, who's not a senior or anything, nor is he a Democrat. I'm not even sure he's a Democrat anymore. And, oh my God, this is the best though. And lastly, Bill Kristol, who's not a Democrat. Uh, also, I guess he's a senior citizen. I'm not sure where the senior term comes from. Um, it's hard to imagine somebody more conservative than Bill Kristol. Um, I don't know. So that was that. That's how desperate the Guardian was to write a smart. I think it was the Guardian to write a smart think piece on this. People reacting, and I was like, Andrew Yang, Bill Crystal, and David yeah. Oxford on Twitter. Which gets me to my next request, which is, increasingly, Twitter is no longer an important platform. If you want to use it, I don't care. You can use it. Adam still uses it. Adam still does a great job managing our Heartland Pod account on Twitter. But the rest of us don't care about what happens on Twitter. Many people have not cared for a very long time about yeah. what happens on Twitter. And it, Twitter should be like Vegas. What happens on Twitter stays on Twitter. If somebody tweets something, you don't have to write a story about it. Because if they don't have the common decency or organizational intelligence or footprint to get on a real network, I, listen, if they write a Substack, if they write something that isn't on Twitter and you want to pick it up, fine, fine. Right. But somebody sending a tweet has got to be the lowest point of friction on the communication, the digital communication spectrum. And had no one and everybody ignored David Axelrod on Twitter, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think that there was more coordination to it than that. But isn't is like, so I okay, so I told you guys I was gonna push let back. Let me jump so in. Is, yeah. Hold on. This is gonna be my first point of pushback. <laughs> isn't the point of that that because of the frictionless nature of Twitter, Axrod is able to share his thoughts, which some would consider, and Sean's gonna tell us why they are important thoughts, but uh, he's able to share his thoughts directly with all of those outlets instantly. And then his phone is ringing off the hook. But that's with, my problem with, the with saying, all hey, of this. Hey, do you this. want to come on and you talk just, about this? And he's just, got his own podcast too. You just, you just folded in all of the things that are making me more frustrated now with the media than I ever have been in my life. I have never perfect. been more disappointed. Right. What's that? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I meant perfect as in that's a perfect place for me to jump in. But go okay, ahead, okay, keep going. Let me just, no, let me just say so. You finish that point, the, and then we'll get to Sean. It's the the the. the I, listen, we can have an adult conversation about 
the obvious perils of an 80 year old running for president. I am here for that. Honestly, I don't think that it's a particularly straightforward conversation, but I think that the kindling that the media has been leaving behind in Biden's wake since the man beat Trump has been nothing shy of the laziest forms of clickbait. They it's, it's almost like they do better when he does worse. And I'm starting to feel like that they are taking the bait from members of the political establishment who did not anticipate that Biden wasn't going to be this business as usual centrist corporate Democrat. I went over to, I'll say this, then Sean, I'll shut up. And I really want to hear what you have to say. So I thought what we were talking about this. So like, there's another example of this. I, I think I shared this. I, I have it as a screenshot here somewhere. It is, this is what abortion rights fight brings key victories for Democrats, but Biden trails Trump in swing states. That was a headline from Wednesday morning. That was in the Guardian. And if you did not live in the United States, and if you didn't know, maybe sometimes if you do, because a lot of people just don't really pay attention to politics or elections at all. If you read that headline, you would have thought, perhaps, that Joe Biden was on the ballot on Tuesday night and that some that somebody missed like an election or whatever. Um, the and, and that kind of stuff is starting to rancor me in a way that reminds me of how I felt uh, after 9-11, after the Iraq war, I should say, that when the uh, it's, it's kind of the same sort of just like unbelievable flaccid laziness uh, because it is uh, it's just so tempting to write the low hanging fruit stories. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'll just leave it there. Sean, you go. So I do want to, as we pivot over to Sean, I do want to just point out. So Bill Crystal, who uh, is certainly far from a liberal, um, he technically is now a member of the Democratic Party and has been since 2020. Uh, but this was the guy who was the vice president for Dan Quayle or the vice president, the chief of staff for vice president Dan. And has so, written for uh, the National Review. And, and the Weekly um, Standard and, and the and, and let's, and let's just say, yeah, like, no, the he, is only, he is only a Democrat because he hates Trump so much. Right, right, right. So, but that's the, that, that is one of the people that was quoted, but it is, it is a funny list when you think of like, that's who was quoted was Andrew Yang. And, oh my God. Oh my God. Andrew Yang was on, Andrew Yang was on CNN today. Yeah, sure. I don't understand. Like, what's he doing there? But Good anyway, so Sean, oh, I was going to say, I was going to mention Michael Moore. Let me finish that really quick. Sorry. That's what I was going to get to. So Michael Moore, I went over to the site saying, surely the man who's been right on every front about every major election, going back to, uh barack obama hillary clinton trump like he said all these he called it 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 what did he have to say you know what he had to say joe biden marched with uaw workers so i am thinking that a lot of this like for fever pitch hysteria about joe biden running is being fueled in part by people who are resentful that joe biden is a pro-labor anti-corporate pro-worker president not all the time and maybe not as much as we'd like but certainly to the shock of the establishment yeah, that's probably pretty fair uh, as far as the shock to the establishment thing goes. I think that's that's a pretty fair point. So, Sean, uh, when this all happened, Rachel said uh, in our in our I, will, I won't get into what we exactly said, but the shorthand version in our slack was that Rachel said, piss off, David Axelrod. Uh, and you said, but wait, not so fast. Perhaps we sh we should tune in. Perhaps we should check out what he has to say. So, Sean, tell us why the Axe Man might uh, be worth listening to here. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, he's not a member of the media, right, Rachel? Fuck the media. For me, this was a story about politics, not the media. I didn't think of this as a story about the media at all. I thought of this as a story about politics, meaning who's going to be on the ballot, who's going to win. And when I saw the poll that showed Biden behind Trump in five out of six swing states, and then when David Axelrod said he should think about not running because it's so risky. All of this made sense to me. <laughs> so, um, and when I read garbage media or like see garbage media, like I just turn it off. Like I really don't worry about the media. I think that the media pushed us into war. I don't really think the media picks presidents. So Sean, do you think though that I would suggest that you are, um, Oh, can I, can I, I want to push back on that if I, if I may, if just really quickly. Yeah. Well, let, think... let me, let me, let me say this and then, okay. and then, okay. cause I would, what I'm going to suggest is that Sean, you are abnormal, uh, when it comes to your media consumption and the way that That's you're, true. you shut it down so quickly and the way that you don't suffer fools when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, so that that's what I would point out is that you probably are not a great case study for media consumption of the average American voter. Yeah, no, totally. And I, you know, when it comes to campaigns, what I tell candidates is like, don't worry about the media. They don't really want to care, cover your campaign. But what's so much more important is the money that you spend on ads. Right. Um, because most undecided voters don't really pay attention to the news. Like that's why they don't yeah. know who they're going to vote for is because they're like not thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rachel, what's your, what's your pushback on the earned media that Trump got. That's true. In 2016. In 2016 they, yeah. In the and, primary. and I think that the, which is that, the biggest lesson that I almost I have, that in my notes, have I not almost learned. Used and I, and I, I think it's, I think that one of the reasons that I get angry at the media is because it has a huge impact on what voters think. Um, there maybe not as I, I think it's gotten worse. I think like for well, people, often, that think, let me just fill this in. Often journalists are reporting what voters think. Right. So the, like it is the heavy I was watching Washington that, that chicken week, egg has my, always been there. Right. Is like, does the media give us? Yeah. Right. Do they reflect or do they, you know, do they push us one way or are they just giving us what we want because they're reflecting society right. and not well, and society I'll tell you reflecting this. the media? I bet Lester Holt did not spend much time on David Axelrod's comments when we talk about Correct. the media right, and like right. regular people. Well, and, right. And Axelrod was already on CNN today. Like, I think he was on CNN. I can't remember which, well, I think he was on what show he was on this morning. Like, he was already like walking his comments back. So clearly somebody got on the phone with him and was like, hey, hey, hey. Because the Obama, there, there's a there's a, a, a link in our show. And it's kind of a fun story about like the the tensions that have always ex has existed between. Right the Biden and the Obama camps like they did run against each other. There were a lot of people. Well, it was um, something I've talked about the 2016 thing that I am, yeah. I am thoroughly convinced that Hillary Clinton dropped out in 2008 because of an agreement that in 2016 that Obama would back her and would not back anybody else. And that that's why Joe Biden didn't run for president in 2016 and for no other reason. Because well, I no, think Hillary a... didn't. Hillary lost the primary. <laughs> she didn't like agree to do shit. He, he took mean, it no, no, she agreed primary. to drop. No, the twenty, the two thousand eight primary. 
Hillary Clinton was still in the primary and she and Barack Obama had a meeting and she right. dropped she was, out but, after that. But he meeting. was and like she was saving face too. Like she's not that conciliatory. A- absolutely, but she yeah. could have yeah. she could have stayed very easily. And like and spent, any good shrewd yeah. politician, you don't get out until the other person I don't know, gives you I don't know something that I would, for I don't getting know that out. I ever call a shrewd politician Hillary Clinton in the same sentence. But okay. Um Oh, certainly man, a political so animal she, she she became a, a nominee for president so uh but but basic basic negotiation 101 you don't give up your position if you can get right. something from okay the other well, anyway all right up. whatever i fucking hate her anyway so um so i really well, do. there so, there we agree yeah yeah and uh she, thank you for the birther stuff and started with her anyway so so anyway so axe already went on the talk about shrewd the, What's that? Sorry. <laughs> I said talk about shrewd. <laughs> the Kenya photo I think probably God. still comes up in the first couple pages. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know. I think it's a probably probably a bad idea, but we gotta leak it. So that's what he said. Uh uh, so now I completely lost the plot. So let me tell you something. Earned, so Washington earned... Week, Osma Holland okay. from okay. NPR okay. said that when she talks to voters that she sees Key parts of the coalition, young voters, black voters, have lackluster enthusiasm for Joe Biden. That he's got some challenges. They had, yeah, he does. That's like, but that they said the same thing about Barack Obama. I think it shows up in polls, and that's how yeah. you win, like yeah. a young state yeah. or yeah. you know, a here's, state that's pretty diverse. Here's, here's why I think this is different. I think this is different because the minute he was sworn in, people started talking about how old he was. The mm-hmm. minute he was sworn in, people started talking about what Before. about 2022. But what's so difficult that Axelrod put his finger on is you actually can't reverse it. If someone said, man, he's so stiff, maybe there would be an opportunity for him to like loosen up or like he's so dumb. It'd be an opportunity for right. him to show that he's smart. But that's not the case. Right. Yeah, he can't is, go it, on it, SNL and joke about himself and show that he's got a good sense of humor. Like he can't, you know, if he goes on SNL, he's just going to seem older. Well, it you depends know. on how he does it. I don't think it, so. All right. So this is what annoys me about where. So we've been talking about this forever. And the the first thing that happened, this is again, like I've been alive for longer than you guys. I've I've seen like, I've been paying attention to politics pretty shrewdly right. for a long time. And I've seen this change. I've seen it happen in a way where the 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 news media writ large is more obsessed now with making news than they are reporting on news. And I think that no, if think the New York fair. Times is going to the the New York Times and the Washington Post are so so the New York Times is one of the only news organizations in the country right now that isn't just absolutely hemorrhaging money, right? Um and so I, I want it to save itself. I talk about this a lot on my Wednesday show. I desperately want journalism to exist. Um, I need we need healthy media. We are an example of 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 how much I think we need healthy media. Like I'm right. trying to make it right. And we shouldn't have to do this. We shouldn't have to do this, but it always is up to the next generation or an incoming generation right. to be like, okay, well let's let's build something for the next generation because social media kind of eviscerated kind of a i'll say like a certain knowledge base that people used to have when it came yeah. to kind of independent publishing and i think that's kind of well, there was a laziness um, and that, that clicked in and yeah it's just different like it's just it just it was it the times the times were different so i think that what's with these kinds of polls i think that they are benchmark polls and what the new york times is interested in is not saying whether or not the poll still has 
let's say just is collecting a relevant relevant amounts of data so i would say if you're trying to guess the the tone of young people then don't use a landline ever right, right. like if you're going to be like well how do young people feel about joe biden then there shouldn't be anybody in the poll who has a landline period like that's a different demographic but i i, I think that what they're trying to do is okay sure like talk about the, the temperature of the country and i again like i don't have a problem with that that's what they should do yeah it's that they're not though they're benchmarking themselves because every time we've run this poll dot 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 when we ran this poll and whatever dot 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 and that is the story the story is in the country the story is their ability to predict what might happen in the presidential race right. and i think that we are not in a normal state of affairs right now we are dealing with a man who, I mean, Trump, who is very good at manipulating the media. Um, still, um, he's not normal. And they did what they should never have done, which was normalize him. Right. And how right. about you don't ask the questions like this? Would you say that you somewhat disagree, slightly agree, agree that Joe Biden is taking the country in the right direction? Change it up, guys. Change it up. Because we are, the three of us are changing it up. Right. We looked at the landscape of the discourse across the Midwest and the the kind of the problems that political candidates and stakeholders have in this particular part of the region, getting their message out. And we were like, yeah. we're going to do something about that because this is inexcusable and somebody has to do something. So my request is stop being so intellectually lazy. You're the New York Times. You're CNN. I'm I'm hopeful to see some of the changes that CNN's making. I should say, I I no. I, I maybe it'll be different. But that is my beef. So here here sense? here was my oh, takeaway from the polling, Sean. As I give it back to you, because this poll number one wasn't very big. Uh, it's less than a thousand respondents. It's not that big of a poll even uh, to begin with. It's registered voters, which if you're talking about registered voters, uh, Sean, you probably can tell me roughly in a presidential year what the normal turnout is percentage wise. What about 50 ish percent of registered yeah, like voters show up to, to the polls? 70 or something. It can really swing. 70, like but... 75 is a super high number for the United right. States. Usually somewhere between 50 and 60 is pretty normal in an off year. 45 to 55 is pretty right, normal. With Bashir is 38 percent. Right. 38% of registered voters turned out to vote. So let's just call it 50% for the ease of this exercise here. So if I call a thousand people who are registered voters, statistically speaking, on average, 500 of the people I talk to aren't going to vote anyway, which means that the sample that I'm getting of registered voters and only registered voters is already a, dis a sample that I should discount because yeah. of that very particular thing. But on top of that, what the New York Times does is they write a headline that says this poll tells us Joe Biden is going to lose. Right. And then Axrod comes out and makes his comment. And and I think that Axrod's, you know, his his top line tweet is one thing. But if you read what he's saying, that there, there's a lot of thought to. And I do think that Axrod is still somebody that we should be listening to more often than not, as far as just what his insight. And I'm not saying everything he says we should jump and do, but he's worth he's worth hearing out and he was the, he was he the only he senior democrat listed in the article that i mentioned right he's a true senior democrat yeah. yes yes um and he he's a, he's a smart guy and he knows what he's talking about but the the thing from this poll that didn't make the top line and the and what i would have loved to have seen from somebody who is as smart as david axrod is look that's all well and good but 
if folks haven't picked up on it by now, abortion is going to be an extremely important issue. And in this poll, 62% of respondents in this poll answered that abortion should be legal. 62%. That is a massive number. And if you want to look at the swing states on what should it, what should happen with abortion, Arizona, 59%. Georgia, 58%. Michigan, 62%. Nevada, 65%. Pennsylvania, 66%. Wisconsin, 63%. All of those are numbers in favor of abortion being legal. And if you look at it by age, 65 and up, 55%. 45 to 65, 61%. 30 to 44. A lot of voters in the 30 to 44 range. Big generation. That's our generation. That's the millennial generation. We're huge. There's a ton of us. 66% in favor of abortion being legal. So we can talk all day long about the vacuum of the question of, is the country going in the direction of the wrong track? Do you think you'd vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Those questions in a vacuum is fine. But until and unless you put abortion on the scale, you are not working with a complete picture. Am I crazy about that, Sean? No, it's the perfect segue because you're right you need a complete picture and so here it looks like the complete picture is people support abortion rights and yet right and yet right so you know could the split among young democrats on the right path forward in gaza swing michigan out of biden's column maybe i would want to look at polls yeah (laughs) Um, but something else that uh you know, just like you said, when you brought it up, you know, polls say Biden can't win is what you said. And I immediately wrote that down because what they're trying to do is get a representative sample, like you said, of what would happen if the election were held today. Right. That's why they're so valuable for people on campaigns, because it's like, OK, what do we do? Can we pull this because lever? If it Can were we held push today, this button? We lose. If we, if we move this like... thing over here and then we re-poll afterwards, right. what does it look and then like? If, Right. And then if you're someone like David Axelrod, you take that all together and you're like, well, does the Biden campaign seem to have a credible strategy, you know, for dealing with this? And then you look at recent polling. So then isn't the broader problem. This is where I see, you know, as as I'm synthesizing what I'm reading in our Slack with Rachel and and you and, you know, we're all going back and forth about it. When I synthesize the, the two together, what I see is that you guys have kind of a peanut butter chocolate thing going on here, and I'd like it to be a Reese's if you want to if you want to follow right. me down that <laughs> rabbit hole, which is that yeah. there's there is absolutely a huge amount of value to be gained by taking in polls, evaluating polls, and listening to people who are smart like David Axelrod, and even to a certain extent, Bill Crystal. He's not a stupid person. I just disagree with a lot of what he has to say. He's got a PhD in politics. He went to Harvard. He's not dumb, but uh, listening to these people is one thing. But it feels like what we've wound up with is instead of taking all of this in and going, okay, well, that's information that's relevant and should be evaluated. To Rachel's point, what has happened is it has been interpreted as this is the final end and answer to all questions. None shall pass. We need no more information. It's over. Yeah. Call and it. if someone takes the wrong conclusion from a poll, like, I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> like, but what if, but if that um... someone is the New York times right. and CNN no, and MSNBC yeah. and it, and it spreads well, and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads because all it takes is, you know, like I was at, uh, I was at a charity event uh, uh, last night that we record on Sundays. I was there on Saturday night 
And, um, you know, all it takes, you know, you hear murmurings, right. In crowds like that. I try to just kind of listen to the stuff that you hear and you hear people make comments. Well, at this charity event, there were these big cutouts of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and you could have your picture taken and then they auctioned them off at the end of the night. So somebody could take them home. It was very smart. It's very good. And everybody had a good time with it and everybody kind of chuckled about it and laughed about it. And the auctioneers made a comment one to the other about like, you know, I think that's about as close to Taylor as you're going to get there. <laughs> you know, like, and it was funny and the whole room kind of laughed. And I heard just out of the back of my, just, just, just behind me, I heard a guy go, well, that's as close as anybody would want to get to her, <laughs> you know, like, and I was just like, huh, that's very interesting to what hear like out of touch. Right. Like what an incredibly <laughs> out of touch uh, comment to make. And like, also right. like, that's insane. So, but anyway, like, that kind of stuff, right? That sort of all it takes is a little bit of groundswell, right? Look at the Taylor and Travis thing yeah. and how it's been spun in the media and how it's been dealt with in the media. I'm in a room full of people who mostly voted for Donald Trump. Okay. The statistics would say that a lot of those people voted for Donald Trump, maybe 50 50 in that kind of a room, maybe even 55 45. But it's a better room than the rest of the county. Let me put it that way. But Still, it's very positive because the media coverage of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey is extremely positive. So th I, I, that's the chicken egg thing, I think, is the problem right. that we have here. No, I'm with you. And what I am also really interested in is focus groups <laughs> in yeah. addition to polls. And, you know, I'll, I'll probably really send some people off the edge here. Um, but there is a series of focus groups that I've been watching for years, like since the 2020 campaign, since before the 2020 campaign. And they were interviewing over the course of years, set groups of swing voters who went from Obama to Trump. Um, and then now they're talking of uh, to people who went from Trump to Biden, specifically 11 in this Arizona group. And this is on Axios now, but I've been getting the emails forever. Um, regular folks. And when you hear them on video, a guy like me who voraciously reads and consumes media, it is excruciating. Listen to someone who doesn't watch any news kind of talk about looks like Joe Biden kind of falls down a lot. You know, these kind of things right. and they take forever to get it out. Um, but the numbers. So when he asked for a show of hands, right, 11 people who all voted for Joe Biden and who all voted for Donald Trump four years previous. Five were still with Biden, five of the 11. Three switched back to Trump, and three were undecided. When you add Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as a third option, a majority six of the 11 go with RFK Jr. Yeah. And what does that mean? Biden has some problems. Biden has problems, right? <laughs> yeah. But I wonder, yeah. so here's so here's what the media is supposed to do. The media is supposed to not just tell you that. And that's my beef with them, is that all they talk about is that, well, if RFK Jr. runs, who's he going to take votes from? How about this? How about you talk that he's a, tell people that he's a fucking liar. He's a pathological, dangerous narcissist who has been spreading snake oil to make money for himself as a paid speaker for years that he's uh, probably a malignant art. Like, just tell the story of him. Like, that is my issue. It's the, it's the framing. It's the context. It is the self-congratulatory. We have to talk about this today because this is what everybody else is going to talk about. And if we don't talk about this, 
then we're going to be the ones not talking about this. And so the thing that they're talking about is not that RFK Jr. is a piece of shit and has no business being anywhere near public office of any kind anymore. Um, the guy's really clearly quite deranged, by the way. Um, it's, well, who is he going to take votes from? Trump or Biden? He wouldn't take votes from anybody if you people would do your jobs. That's my thing. That's my official thing. Like, do your job. Hold up the truth in the light. That's what you're supposed to do. And the opinioneering complex has gotten worse at a time when everybody needs to take a step back and be like, let's present some facts to people. Let's be really diligent about presenting facts to people. And it's not just because people are on social media. It's because they still watch mostly cable. These are still people that probably still watch a lot of cable news. And uh, that ecosystem is terrible. And there's like not really an alternative still. So we're it that we're in this time of un like we're at a time, I would say, globally and domestically of unprecedented chaos in a lot of ways, because the sources of truth that people used to look to are running out of money and that is making them kick like a dying mule. And instead of doing what they could do, which is presenting people with quality information, they're presenting people with inflammatory opinions. And that's my issue. That's kind of the, the, what I'll say it. If the, if, if the New York times poll stuff would stay in its lane and they could talk about it, that's fine. But it feeds a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy uh, of like, the hunger for the uh, the Trump years. I don't know. It's it's almost like they wanted to be president again because he was so good for business. I, I don't know what else to say. It, that's what it feels like is happening to me. So, Sean, la- last word on this, and then we should close it down because it's been we've been going for a long enough period of time. But the RFK Jr. piece of this is he Ross Perot or is he, you know, Alan Keyes? Right. Right. Well, the polling shows he's more like Ross Perot. I guess there were like three or four people across history in a third party or independent bid who ever polled above 20. RFK, Perot, I guess some guy named John Anderson back in the Reagan times or something. My mom um, worked for his campaign. John oh, Anderson? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, one thing to, uh, to back up the focus group participants a little bit when, uh, when, the moderator showed them a picture of Dean Phillips, the Minnesota Democrat. <laughs> you guys want to guess how many knew who he was? Zero. Zero. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you know they're real people. And then when <laughs> they watch the video. <laughs> That's true. Because if anybody. Yeah. If you know who that person is, it's like get out of the focus group. Right. You right. know too but much. But then when they. When they saw the video, his campaign video, which I actually haven't even seen, but seems like it's pretty run of the mill. All of them were just like hard pass not buying it yeah. you know he seems like he's coming out of nowhere gotta be um, authentic yeah blessing i wanted to say was if i were a campaign manager i would be saying every single thing rachel is saying if i weren't an ads and fundraising consultant right if i were talking to voters in the neighborhood yeah staffers volunteers yeah. Everything you, yeah. that you've said tonight is exactly what I would say. Everything. Well, that's I'll, why we were making a say, delicious Reese's peanut butter. I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this really quickly too. That one of the problems that we have, and I think my hope is that 
that I keep saying that my hope is that dot 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 and I and then I end up talking about journalism and I've been saying this for 25 years a version of it that journalists journalists are trained in this lie that is neutrality you have to be objective you have to right. be as neutral as possible we are going through a time when you have to be a bigger kind of you, you have to provide a little bit of you gotta be a of, bigger a, thinker and you also have to be a little bit more moral. And yeah. so you instead of and trying to do this thing like, well, RFK, RFK Jr., who is uh, an alt, who's trying to pitch himself. No, he's an anti-vaxxer. He's an anti-vax activist. He's a liar. He's a snake. Say what he is. Right. So this is where we are. And I feel like there are always going to be good people who yeah. try to keep us informed. And unfortunately, I think they're still being drowned out by the um hysteria industrial complex that it is now currently the media that we are stuck with i do think that that's a great point to close it on is just you know that i don't think i think we would all agree and i think it would be great if we had legacy media big big reach media that instead of saying that rfk jr has interesting thoughts right on vaccination because that's how they'll put it is rfk jr's unconventional take on vaccines right instead of saying rfk jr has spent a lifetime disseminating misinformation disinformation and outright lies on vaccines they'll say that he has an unconventional take on and has been and has been known to espouse conspiracy theories right 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 has right. he okay yeah so anyway, uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for for indulging that conversation. I uh, hope that it was valuable for folks. It's fun when we find something that we can dive into that way, um, because you know at the end of the day, we, we all we all wholly agree that the answer is not Donald Trump when it comes to who should be the president in twenty twenty four. Um, I don't know that I'm willing to say that that means I want RFK Jr., but I don't know maybe. Ugh. And, you know, if it came to that, but, but, but the bottom line is that now what we're seeing is a lot of people spending a lot of time talking about why they're unhappy with Joe Biden. And that's fine. And I get that, especially with the Israel thing, uh, it, which, you know, that's a callous way to put it. There's a you know fucking atrocities going on in the Middle East right now. Um, but people are looking for something that doesn't exist. They're looking for an absolute perfection carved out of stone, but also customized to the way that I need it to be every single day based on the whims and my feelings that day that I need my president to match with how I feel in that moment in time. And here's, here's the broader message that I think uh, should be spread far and wide, which is grow the fuck up. Uh, and because that's a stupid ass thing to think. And if you think that that's how the, how it works, if you think that electing a president is getting somebody who agrees with you on every single thing, and that that person can also get another hundred million people to vote for them, you're a naive moron. Who's going to wind up voting for Donald Trump. And that's just the bottom line, because that's why people voted for Donald Trump, because he said whatever he needed to say for them to hear him say that he agreed with them. And so if you're waiting, if the thing that you need is for the person with the microphone is to tell you that you're special and that all of your thoughts matter, then you're an idiot. And 
stop listening to this because you're too stupid to listen to this show period i wish every candidate i ever worked with never forgot to say to every crowd ever you're special and your thoughts matter yeah (laughs) i love you (laughs) but what's your what's your saying so like i'll i'll say this i i heard karis would say something that i love you want your president to be fred rogers Right. That like, well, one of the like, I think that there was a generation of people that were spoiled by Barack Obama because like, that's the package everybody wants all the time. And honey, that is a once in a generation. That is a once in a century. They also forget that they they disagreed with him on a bunch of stuff. And he He was just cool. And he wasn't popular at this point in his presidency either. Like no. things were looking really scary. Um, think people were nervous about Mitt Romney. He was an adult. He was handsome. Yeah, remember and that had a first lot, debate? Ton of money. He walked out on the stage and like went like oh for ten in the first quarter. Yeah, and everybody was, was like, oh no, oh no, Michael Jordan can't oh, play basketball anymore. God. Oh no, oh god, oh no. <laughs> that this is what I have to say about Joe Biden, and it's something that Kara Swisher said, and it just keeps sticking with me. Um. You know what? This is what she said. She said it like this. She's like, "Yeah, well, he's the old man that could beat Trump, right?" And I, I keep sticking with that. That like, he's old. So's the other guy. He beat the Trump. The other guy's old too. The other guy's very and old. And he's uh, and he's uh, uh, a lunatic. And okay. we haven't, we I haven't seen we them together the in a long down, time. But breaking yeah. news. Uh, this just happened. So, breaking news. Um, you guys. Tim Scott just suspended his presidential campaign. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you so glad I did that? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm glad I, was... I got to see. I'm glad I got to see uh, Sean's face, like when he when he found that out in real time. Sean, what are your what? Maybe this is where we should do the Thoughts. show. Not to not to be pro, not to be producer for a second. That's Adam's job. But like Sean, what are your farewell? Words? Yeah, Sean, take take uh, us out with your farewell to Tim Scott's presidential campaign. Oh man, yeah. Talk about things you don't have to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> Great week. Thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll uh, see you guys Wednesday and Friday, and then uh, and then we got a holiday coming up, so that's going to be fun. So we'll we'll yeah. see y'all later. Take care. Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at americanaquarium.com. That's when I saw a tear fall from her eyes She said, what are we gonna do? What's this world coming to? For the first time in my whole life I stood there speechless
become the home of the afraid afraid of the world afraid of the truth afraid of each other this ain't the country my grandfather fought for but I still see the hate he fought against give rest to the tired Give mercy to the poor Give warmth to the huddled masses And I'll show you Journey. 